Have you ever played Jenga? You take each block out and bit by bit, the more blocks that you remove, the more unstable it becomes until it falls over and is in ruin. And we read in Nehemiah 8 that actually the lives of the Israelites were in ruin. You see, they had rebuilt the temple walls, but their lives were far from it. They'd removed so many of their building blocks of their spiritual practices and their spiritual lives, their good habits, that actually they were in ruin as people. We read that all the people assembled together and Ezra read the scriptures to them. He said he read aloud from daybreak until noon. That's a long time. That is longer than even Steve preaches for. And, and, right, it says, the people listened attentively. Whoa! And they came back the next day for more. And the next day and the next day. And that's pretty impressive. But what we read here is really interesting. In verse 9, it says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. The text doesn't tell us why they were weeping specifically, but only that they did. Perhaps as they were hearing these scriptures read to them, they remembered how much they'd missed the mark, how they'd gone away from God, how they'd left their spiritual heritage behind, they'd forgotten who they were, and worst of all, they'd forgotten God. The temple walls had been rebuilt, but their lives hadn't. And also, reading the law would have reminded them of their history. And a lot of parts of their history were, were better than they are now. They've just come back from exile in Babylon. They've been in captivity for so long. They're probably mourning their past and what they've had previously. But there also could have been tears of joy. Joy at hearing the scriptures read once again. Joy that they had their temple and their city walls. Joy at being together again. And most importantly, joy at coming back to God. Whatever their reasons for weeping, the leaders made it clear that sadness and mourning was not appropriate for that day. That it was a good day. It was a day that was sacred. It was a day that was holy. It was a day where they were coming back to God. A day when they started to rebuild their lives individually and as a group. And changing their lives and coming back to God gave them joy. I don't know if you've ever been with someone when they've accepted God as the Lord of their life and they've decided to follow him. Occasionally there are, there are some tears, but mostly there is joy 
There are smiles, there is laughter, there are hugs. People are so overjoyed because of the decision they've made, because they made the best decision of their life. They're not crying and thinking about the wrongs of their past. And in Psalm 30 verse 5 it says that weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And that's what we see there. And that's what we see here. See, the people met God where they were. And God meets us where we are. No matter where we are. No matter what we've done. God meets us where we are. The people weren't told, oh, I told you so. You shouldn't have done that. And God doesn't say that to us either. The people were told this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, they were at rock bottom. And it was in that place of being at rock bottom that they looked up. They looked up and they saw the joy of the hope of the Lord. They saw the joy of the hope of salvation. They saw that things could be better. And that gave them the strength to start to rebuild their lives. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But Nehemiah knew that in order to experience joy, they needed not solely the rebuilding of the walls and the restoration of the city, but the restoration of their hearts. They needed to rebuild from within. And joy isn't the same as happiness. Happiness comes and goes depending on the circumstances, whereas joy shifts our hearts to place of worship, shifts our hearts to a position of worship, no matter what our current circumstances are. And joy keeps us going through the most difficult of times. The joy of the Lord is our strength when we feel weak. And when we see the world through a filter of joy, we see the good in a world that is so broken. And it doesn't mean we'll never struggle or feel down. Life isn't always easy. But it does mean that in the midst of all of those dark times, we see God. And we see the good that he is doing in the midst of our struggle. And we read in this passage that there's an emphasis on reading God's word. The people listen to the scriptures for hours and hours. And in order for us to have the Bible translated into English, there was great effort gone to. But do we all read it enough? Definitely not hours and hours and hours and days and days and days. But do we read it even enough? Because you see, the word of God rebuilds lives. And we need to get the word of God in our hearts and in our heads. And in Nehemiah 8 verse 8, it says, They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that people understood what was being read. They spoke to the people in a language that they could understand. 
because the people had grown up in captivity. The people had forgotten the Hebrew language and they knew the language of the captors. And so they had to work to make sure that what they were saying was understandable and relevant to them. And that's why we have such things as children and youth workers, because we need to explain who God is to young people in a language that they understand. And actually, there are a number of other people for whom this method of communication isn't the best way that's not speaking their language, whether that's literally, perhaps somebody's first language isn't English, or they use sign language to communicate, or perhaps somebody's gone through really tough times and they need that message spoken to them in a way that they can understand, or perhaps they have additional needs. There are so many people for whom this is not the best method of communication, but there are also so many people in God's family who have the skills to be able to share that message in a way that other people understand. So that might be one for some of you to think and pray on. And in Nehemiah 9, we see that the people gathered and they repented for their sins. And it's really interesting that we, we read the, the kind of history of the people. Um, and it's, it's a lot of this. It's a lot of like, um, God is awesome and he did this. But the people went astray. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. But the people turned away from him, did their own thing. But because of your compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. Ah, but they disobeyed your commands. And it kind of goes on and on. It's a little bit of a table tennis match where the people are just coming away from God again and again. But God still opened his arms to them. And as people, we messed up again and again and again. And we see that in the Bible. We mess up again and again and again as the human race. But what's beautiful is that God sent his one and only son to us to take all those things that we'd done that were not God's best. And he took it on the cross. See, God loves us. No matter what we have done, he loves us. And he sent Jesus to take all of those sins on the cross, on himself, so that we could be forgiven and come back to God because the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And there's lots of buts with God. Like we, we failed, but God still loves us. But there is a big but here. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. But he rose again three days later to prove that he is God. You might have heard of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God the Son. And he proved that when he rose again. But what's incredible 
is that God doesn't force us into relationship with him. He gives us the opportunity to come to him and to accept him. And so for you today, this might be your day to make that decision. This might be your day to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to walk with you and I want to follow you. And you can make that decision today. But for other people, it might be a decision to start to rebuild your life, to put back in some of the spiritual practices that you've lost or to return to God when you've gone astray. Or for others, it's the joy. You want the joy of the Lord. And you can ask him for that joy. You can give him all the stuff that is going on that is not great. And you can ask for his joy. So let's pray. God, I thank you for all these amazing people and I pray that you would help them to respond to your message in whatever way they need to do so. And I pray that you would give them joy. Amen.